0: Hello and thank you for joining us. This is Lila Glasso Francis, and I welcome you along with the board of the Carolyn Glasso Bailey Foundation to our most recent podcast with our artist in residence at the Ojai Institute here in Ojai, California, Cole M. James. The work of Cole M. James is that of a negotiator, navigating the African diaspora, circling the expanse of queerness and fumbling through womanhood. James's interdisciplinary work explores the intersections between digital production and the analog collections of lived experiences. James was born in Chicago and raised in the Moreno Valley in California. She received a Bachelor of Fine Arts from Cal State San Bernardino and a Masters in Fine Art from Claremont Graduate University. James currently lives and works in Los Angeles, California. Now please sit back and enjoy a conversation with our Executive Director, Frederick Janka and Cole James.
1: So welcome, uh, welcome Cole M. James. It's a pleasure to have you at the Ojai Institute, and um, I um, really have been Enjoying um, the last few days with you, and uh, an opportunity to personally learn more about your work, and then the conversations while installing and um, uh, working on the checklist and everything. Um, I think it would, I think it would be great to start with. This is something that's just been resonating with me, and especially in conversations, even this evening, is how you're really pushing the notion of interdisciplinary because literally there is not a stone that has not been unturned. <laughs> um, and I think in some ways you approach it, or my perception is that you approach it with um, definitely with curiosity, but always sort of a, um, a strong will to um, an openness to, to the medium, whatever it be. Um, so maybe take that as a starting point and sort of um, – how you've come to be such a interdisciplinary to the max um, artist.
2: Um, Yeah, so a lot of, well all of the work is centered around the idea of experience and, you know, understanding identity through experience. And I felt like what I'm trying to do in the work is, is help people understand intersectionality from a personal point of view, even if they're not in a point of intersectionality. But that's like a, if I can start to articulate the spaces of empathy within that and realizing that if I'm gonna work interdisciplinary, then I have to do, I have to work interdisciplinary. And that's been a really freeing concept, allowing the idea to pick its medium. And to know that there's that, that benefit of that very extensive liberal arts education, um, and that required me to be proficient in two other fields besides my concentration, uh, that kind of shaped how I experienced art. So I didn't have the, the exposure to art in a, in a single disciplinary way to begin with. And even thinking back to My household, you know, my mom makes things in the round. My aunt was a painter and a sculptor. My other aunt worked in textiles. My grandmother worked in drawing and textiles. So it's just a long line of women who made things in whatever was available. So it was, if we needed, if my mom wanted a new chair in the living room, we would have to reupholster whatever we already had to figure out how to make it fit. Um, If I wanted a new blanket, my aunt would teach me how to quilt a new blanket using whatever materials were around. So with this particular project, um, I did work interdisciplinary, but I made it a point to not approach that from a place of, um, or I, I made a point to approach it from a place of humility and asking experts in those spaces to help me realize these ideas that I have because Part of the experience is that I don't just have this identity alone in a space, but it I'm really aware of that identity when I'm interchange with other people. And so I said, Well, I'm gonna add that as part of this process. So I counted on my community members that worked with clay, and then the space that has this 75 year history of working with glass and stained glass. Judson
1: Studios in Pasadena, fantastic people. Do you have a chance to visit them and see the work that yeah, five generations of stained glass and glass glass manufacturing.
2: Yeah, and so uh, that I said, well, let let this be, let I just let the ideas kind of dictate where they're going to find it. In regards to uh, some of the uh, the leaf pieces, I was I was thinking about the experience of trying to hold the loss that I can't hold. And so I said, well, the only thing that's going to form to my hand and hold that space of me trying to grasp is clay. That's the only thing that's going to move like that.
1: Well, I think this is a great segue, actually, too, to really start looking at the evolution of this project. And to preface it for everybody as well, this project, Three Movements, is over the course of sort of three um, three moments in time or time moving in three parts over the next four months, Um, but that, yeah, I mean, so let's go back to kind of the, the conception and, and sort of this, um, and I like the way you've put it in, in, in writing is about, um, being comfortable with the unknowing. And so, um, yeah, so lead us down that path a little bit.
2: So about, I think it was like, I can't remember, four or five, maybe six years ago, uh, someone asked me if I could chase my family back to Africa.
1: And I remember
2: when she asked me that question, like the world stopped for a second because the academic in me was like, definitively, no. Definitively, I know that according to the diet and climate, my ancestors would have looked like me and that's the place where they come from because they know what our hair and our skin is, a response to diet and climate. But I don't really know what that means on the cultural level I'm a cultural worker, I'm an artist, I work in the arts and humanities, which includes languages and food and um, songs and traditions. I, I wouldn't know what those are. And so when she said that, I realized, wow, that's like I've lost that. That is gone. I will never be able to really like sit down and say, these are the songs my ancestors held song, these are the foods they ate, these are this is the way they celebrated. This is this is what took place when someone died. This is what took place when someone was born. Like, these are the truth. I I couldn't pinpoint exactly what those were. I can do those as an American, right? Like, I know what Americans do when someone gets married or has a baby born, and even that changes um, specifically between culture. Like, there's something we do in the Midwest or that my family's always done that people don't really do here in California. Uh, they're all, and so even that, as like, I know these things about being American. What a beautiful thing to be able to know what my ancestors did in those times and those events. And so, um, and I remember reading somewhere about just sadness and depression and, and loss being at the top of that list. And I said, okay, that makes sense why I feel this like tremendous amount of loss and why I'm responding in a way that is almost like paralyzing, so what do I do with that? I I have to hold space for that. I have to hold space, and if I can't hold space, then I need to use the tools I have as an artist to hold space for that. And so I started, I said, well, let me work up to that type of loss. Let me go through other types of loss that I've experienced. And So the first um, thing I was thinking of, like, I need healing. How do I go about that? How do I think about that? And Shade uh, pointed me towards all of this literature, which I read everything that she mentioned. <laughs> and I was reading through and I kept coming across Rue. And I was like, what is this thing, Rue? And I was like, maybe that's the, the connection. And I was specifically trying to find uh, healing practices that survived the Middle Passage, and like what aesthetically what that looked like, and what were the traditions around that. And, and I came across Rue. And here I thought I was studying my own ancestral knowledge and it turns out that this one plant is all over the world. That it had uses in um, Wicca, Santeria, Appalachian voodoo, in voodoo, in the Catholic Church. I mean, there was this plant that everybody in the world was using for protection. And so I let that be a catalyst. And then the rue was the first and I also talked to another practitioner, and she. I was telling her what I was trying to do, and she said, "You need you need to have an altar." And I was like, "Okay, I don't want to build an altar, altar, but I do want to give an offering." So I made a zine that called in the um, female matriarchs, and it was in a show in LA called the Church of Art. And so I had these zines, and I'm offering like my my grandmother, uh, my devotion to my mother, and the devotion to my father. To and so, and I'm calling in Rue, and so I have these themes. and that was the first part, dealing with the loss of the most creative matriarchs in my life. And then I said, okay, that's a certain kind of loss. I've, I've dealt with that. So getting closer to these, like, big. Then the second set of loss that I wanted to deal with is um, the loss of time between me and my brothers. Um, specifically, uh, I have one brother who is in law enforcement and another brother who's been incarcerated. And so talking about the distance between us, and then I also had my dad and my uncle. Uh, my uncle was incarcerated. My dad is very much by the book. And so have, I wanted to deal with the loss I feel from connectivity between those two branches. And so that's why I made the book. And the book started with me
1: kind of saying,
2: this is hard to hold. And so I just called it Hard to Hold, and I set it in concrete. Hmm. And there's like letters to my brothers, and Diagrams about space and time and interaction between me and my brothers and my my dad and like I'm tracing this this path between like my dad and my brothers and me and my dad and my brothers and um, going to that space and there's a letter to my brothers uh, and images and then conversations about my uncle and um, that was me realizing okay, this is hard to hold and so once I came to terms with those you know these.
1: Matriarchs
2: that, like high school dance teacher who I was my mentor for 15 years, um, and definitely let me be as free. She was actually the first one to say you are an artist. Mm. Like everybody was like you're so creative, but she looked at me and was like I don't know what's wrong with me. I can't do this school thing. And she's like because you're an artist. <laughs> and i was like oh, she's like you just have to just get through this first part. Um, just we're just gonna help you. And then you're gonna love college. You're gonna love grad school. It's gonna be just what you need. And so uh, she's in there. My, like I said, my two grandmothers. And it's like okay, there's that. There's this history. And I was thinking about the rue, and I did a whole series of meditative drawings. The drawing is very meditative, like super intricate, you know, realist drawings of the rue, and like imagining the rue growing and changing and shifting. And then it was like, okay, it's time for you to deal with the big loss, the loss that that started you on this path. And so um, I bought a ticket to Ghana. Your uh, first time. My first time going to uh, the continent.
1: And that was this summer.
2: That was this summer. And it was amazing. And the timing of all of these things that were happening there, I went to... Accra, you know, everybody flies into Accra, but I also went to Cape Coast, Jamestown, um, Kumasi, Takaradi, Accra, Ado, like all of these places in varying stages of, of um, urban influence, and made a bunch of work when I was there. Uh, there were several things that all of it stands out, but I'm still processing uh, what was there, but it definitely was beautiful to be there. I was there at a time when they called they call it the return, and the president of Ghana had this um, idea to welcome back everybody from the diaspora, and so I found myself in uh, Cape Coast. Unknowingly. Unknowingly, I, I arrive in Cape. I can just tell the story. Is
1: that? Yeah, yeah, no, no I love it. Uh, I know
2: everybody here for the art, but the story no, is my true a trip good. This is like... a good
1: one. This is a good one. I like so I'm, I'm in helping Cape, her Coast,
0: and
2: I'm walking around. I actually went to the bank, you know, to get some cash. And this, you know, good man looks at it, comes up to me. He's like, "You're an American." I was
1: like, "Yeah." You can tell. And, <laughs> I know, and
2: he's you need to go to the event tonight. He's like, are you here for the event? And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, no, are you are you, you? have to go to the event. And I was like, okay. You know, I was really excited. And he said, like, well, come. They're gonna, it's going to start at 7. We're going to go to the castle at 7. It's, when I say castle, I mean the slave castle. Because the slave castles are still present there. And I was like, okay. Um, and so I grabbed one of the other people that were on the trip with me. And I was like, we're just going to go here. Let's just see what's going on. So I get there. And the same person is standing outside there like, you're in the wrong place. And I'm like, okay, Like he hails a cab, and Canadians are really hospitable. Like, they, they'll they get you where you need to go. Um, and so they hail a cab, he's like, they're gonna pick up candles for you on the way. Like, I don't need candles, I don't need <laughs> And so we go, and the, the, the it's the coolest little, you know, it's a motorbike with a carriage. It's just amazing. Around the motorbike, we're stopping at candles. We go through the whole city all the way to the top. Like, Where are we going? Should I be worried? Um, and we get out, and I look up, and there's thousands of people all dressed in white. And it was a procession from the top of the city all the way down through the streets uh, with pe- all people from the African diaspora. So people from Brazil, people from England, people from the United States. It was, like, a whole bunch of people from Brooklyn. So many people from Brooklyn. And, um, you know, they're like, what do you mean you don't? And I was like, I didn't know this was happening. I just happened to be here at this time. This trip took me here at this time. And there was a, they turned off all the lights in the city. And there was a procession of, of people to honor our ancestors. And then enter the castle and celebrate. And there were drums and... It was a way to just come home. Uh, and that moment was, was what I needed to come to terms with the loss. And um, that was one moment of several uh, during that time. And to put a place and a location out, I don't know necessarily. Uh, that that's exactly where my family is from but what I do know is that uh, my ancestors survived being taken to a slave castle being inside a slave castle the trip across the ocean in the Middle Passage slavery, Jim Crow the civil rights, so there's a long line of strength in that And, and so this work is about cultivating that and in ways of being okay with not knowing the specifics, but understanding the greater picture, but also remembering the steps um, and the, the strength in that fragility of being like, I don't know where I am, I don't know where I'm going, I don't know what I'm doing, but I know what I want and I know the type of space I want around me and how I want to Honor and remember
1: um, my humanity. Yeah. Uh, that's, I love that story. Yeah. Uh, and I think you know we've been talking about this project for I mean over a year maybe perhaps. Um, I remember I first encountered your work thanks to our buddy Ray Rocklin, um, who had who had seen your video Manchego, um, and it was great to see it on the big screen on Friday. Um, hadn't seen it that big before and it really it was it was fantastic um and it was part of gut friends our show that we um curated at porch gallery and um uh and yeah and we started this i this i extended this invitation and we started this conversation and i think it's been really interesting to see really how much well there was this anticipation like okay these things i'm kind of saving for my trip to ghana like you're like, oh, just FYI, I'm going to be gone this time. Like, okay, okay I'm thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. And then to have, then to, to see you on the other side, in a sense, um, and also seeing and hearing that this, it's all still very fresh. And so I'm really excited with what has come out of that um, that experience. I think the majority of the pieces in the room are post um, post that experience. Um, I will point out that we do have the two Rue watercolors on the wall there that can kind of, um, you know, get a sense of how she was really, like, this kind of meditative exploration. Um, And then, then again, the clay. So that gesture she was making, those, the pieces, the porcelain pieces on the wall, those are that form from inside of her hand. And I think this um, very poetic and very symbolic gesture of um, of, of holding on to an idea, right? Those are ideas and feelings and emotions and knowledge and, and um, you know, whatever sort of ancestral inheritance, right? Um, so I encourage you to, to kind of go back and look at those a little bit. Um, I also want to point out that this project, her residency, is also the first time – we're partnering with Oak Grove School here in Ojai, and so um, she is. They've they provided an apartment for her, um, and thanks to Ojai Home, it's been fabulously renovated and decorated to the nth degree, um, and very comfy. Right? You're on the record here. Okay. Um, verbal, very, verbal, please. Very okay. Very yeah, comfy. <laughs> perfect. Perfect <laughs> Um, and uh, so it's an and also she will have a studio space there too so um, it's it's an interesting experiment for us and I've also asked her like please you know like tell me everything like whatever you're thinking what you know like this is um, a real milestone for us um, as an institution and I'm so grateful that somebody like Cole who is so inherently like multi disciplinary, interdisciplinary. There isn't a discipline that she hasn't. and Which brings me to um, uh, uh, this week, we were meeting some of the teachers. And um, I just loved that one of the first teachers that was like, hey, yeah, come to my class, let's do something, was the dance teacher. It just also so happens uh, somebody here is classically trained dancer. So um, I think that kind of sums up, like, the way, um, you know, we're looking at this project and looking at how does this space here function as like an exhibition, a gathering space. You know, we'll have opportunities to bring students here. um, And then this space, this exhibition as it is in this space will also continue to evolve. I know that she's developing a scent sculpture, um, a sound sculpture as well that will um, uh, expand um, and contract space and actually that makes me think like l- will you talk a little bit about how you how you think about that I mean uh, like a, really a lot of your work is about this kind of push and pull and and I know that it's it's an experiential thing as much as sort of a, a material um, tactical formal exploration so maybe maybe touch on that a little bit
2: yeah, so um, you know when, when when I experience something, even if it's like the most mundane, like when someone says hello to me, it's almost like time stops. And I'm now looking at the person, at their eyes, at their body language, at what's in their hands, about who came with them. And it's like this the thing, and I've always done it, and it's like time will expand and then collapse. Um, in that, just it's just the way that I perceive visual stimuli. I'm an artist, but for, it's just I perceive it very quickly. But I realize that that happens all the time. In other areas, um, is experience collapses and expands times. It has if it's wonderful, it seems like it goes very short. If it's horrible, it feels like it's lasting forever. <laughs> and so, um, a lot of this this. The pieces, or even just mostly anything—it's even the, the paintings on satin. It was where things touched, where the tar or the tire rubber would meet, like really smooth, silky, like glass beads, acrylic. It's like, okay, can I just put those two things together? Um, but experiences, based on perception, the perception is such an individual thing that does shrink and expand, uh, but time it shrinks and expands in that way, and so I'm always looking for ways to talk about a story as an experiential space and not a linear space, and I think that ties to the concept of loss that I'm touching on is that it has the ability to expand and collapse um, right in that motion, like when the woman asked me can I trace my family, it just immediately like expanded this concept of loss because it was collapsed by my inability to know and it kind of like it shifted my experience for the rest of the day and even though I was in like beautiful like Buddhist temples I was just thinking about the question and I was like hmm I want a different response to I want to figure out how to and it was like I never had a question like that and I think it was I I didn't I didn't expect it to come in that type of space because it was like a room full of human rights workers and I was like oh wow hmm, and that's because my perception was shifted to have a certain expectation in that space uh, and so I, I wanted to figure out how can I shift this narrative so that these uh, you know, ultimately, I'm trying to collapse and expand so that I can have control over the space that my mind is colonized in. Um, and so when I experience something like that, even though the person is totally not intending for it to have this like ooh, this deep-rooted jab into me, it that's exactly what it does. Not to the fault of the person who I'm looking at or who said it, but just because that's the way uh, that's the the hangover of colonialism, in a way, and so I'm I'm constantly trying to figure out how do I collapse and expand the narrative uh, at my will.
1: Yeah, you know, you're in charge.
2: Right. How yeah. do I how do I take that and be like, I'm just gonna compartmentalize that, and I think the space of not internalizing is to recognize it, express it, and let it. Right. and so the I um, what I'm trying to do is figure out like the physical representations of that exact process um,
1: mm-hmm.
2: as a way to get people to understand what that feels like or even the fact that people have to do that all the time uh,
1: in their daily negotiation daily negotiations, negotiations. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a great point just to kind of you know tie this tie this up um, is let's give the viewer I think um, a little bit of a thread through the space, oh, so we. Well, I'll start by okay. just saying when we. It's always interesting that process of putting together an exhibition, where it's like, okay, now all this work is in the space, and whether things were made specifically for the space or not, it always changes, right? And so, um, we, um, and we're you know we're a very unique space here, <laughs> um, and uh, and so we needed to create some parameters for how to install the work and and we came you know she started talking about how there is there's really very much a, like one piece kind of leads to the next piece. So there is this timeline. There is this and, and to that point of like okay this needs to be done, experience okay now I can move on. So that's a way in that's a way perhaps for the viewer to experience the installation is to sort of start with these um, two small sculptures on these um, uh, brass and glass tables here um, sort of start there and kind of then move around the space clockwise um, and sort of um, really look to and there are these tells these like formal tells um, that that can that can take you a jump uh, to the next piece um, I think you know a very and striking starting point are the shackles. So these are shackles, like slave shackles, that have been broken, ruptured, and yet they're not fully destroyed. They still contain, um, and these objects on the inside are some of these sort of these 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 moments, these um, accept moments of acceptance, moments of knowledge of coming to terms. These 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 objects that are made literally by you know, holding and squeezing the porcelain, or the, the porcelain, right, not, yeah. Um, and so think of that as kind of the starting point um, that then uh, that then, maybe briefly in your words, maybe yeah. talk so, like a, um, a thread. You can,
2: you can start or finish with the book, um, and you can flip through it. Um, but yeah, so they, each piece, it has like a somewhat linear just for the sake of the space, but you can collapse or expand that. And I've done that because you know each there are little pieces that relate to a piece that's either next to it or right across from it or two steps before it. Uh, so the shackles versus the, the patriarchal space. Um, there's so many stories with them. Trying to like not tell the stories And those pots so were made um, out of the the these the, the one of two and the two of two um, two pieces of one. This is one of one and two of two. These two pieces and that's the separation, but connectivity between being here and then being in Ghana um, and then moving to the patriarchal space. I found these. Um, these pieces are actually uh, made from the form that I, I that made from the form that now contains my actual root plants and so I loved how patriarchal they were because I'm about to put these you know they're like very phallic but what's sitting in them is actually plants that help women's reproductive systems um, uh, well, women maintain their reproduction system and have control over it. And so those have the pieces that are held in my hand, the, like, tight, trying to hold very tightly. Um, and then the Rue enters, which are the two paintings. And then they move through the spaces as I'm coming to terms with the memories and coming to terms with making the scenes. And the two wood pieces are actually um, the tops of stairs. Like the way we the stairs. Banister. Yeah, yeah. To the top of the banister. So they're, they're the things you hold on to as you either go up or come down the stairs. Um, and they're also holding the space. Uh, so that to me was like a, a, an ode to movement and transition. Um, and then there are shells from the secret beach in Ghana. There's uh, this wonderful, beautiful beach. And I always understood that sand is seashells. Like I, kn- I knew that, but on this particular beach, can see the shells becoming siege, becoming sand, so there's different, you know, stages of the breaking apart, uh, and so to me that was like, I was like, oh, I'm at the beginning of the world, and I was like <laughs> trying to identify. I was like, yeah, because Pangea would have just like this would have been the middle of Pangea. I'm, I'm in the beginning of the world right here. <laughs> the world started right in this moment, um, and it's right at the edge of an estuary, uh, which is a fasc- fascinating. The logical space, like where, where fresh water is meeting salt water, in that it's amazing. Like the plants and the trees have to adapt in a very specific way, so I have some shells from, from there in that process made with the space, and then it just travels through, coming to terms with the loss, understanding it, um, accepting it, letting it spill out, and be a mess and not having any desire to put it in a nice, neat little package, um, and then coming to terms with it uh, over time. So it
0: just
2: goes through. Uh, But they talk to each other in in color, in material, in the play between the real and the artificial. Um, So some of the foundations are real wood, some of the foundations are artificial wood, and it, it kind of goes back and forth.
1: And one of my just really special favorite moments is um, is how she's working on porcelain. She's using watercolor and graphite. Um, so you know you it's, you put glaze on porcelain. You don't like put watercolor on porcelain. But I'm excited because I think it's it really creates a very special surface and a very special interaction. Um, so with that, I just thought I'd wrap up. I don't know if anyone has a question. Um, I know Beth usually always has some good questions. I have a good one. Okay, good. (laughs) Tell us. I just always like to
0: ask how you spend your days, like when you're you're in the creating art mode, mode, how does your day go? What do you do? Are you an early
2: writer? Oh, I love, 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 love working from 5 p.m. to 5 a.m. I love to find a job that kind of works with that. The five so kids, far, yeah. it's like the world is settling down, and the energy is like of a, of just a settling. And then there's this beautiful, quiet space between like two a.m. to five a.m. And it's so glorious. It's like just the world is good in that little chunk. So quiet. I live in a very, very, very loud neighborhood. Very loud
0: neighborhood. <laughs> Ooh, it's <so> loud.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it's filled with like four different churches. And so they all like open and sing. And just, so all day it's just singing, just all day. Um, helicopters, and just people. And so from like two to five. During the week, it's just super quiet. Weekends a totally different thing, but you know Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, that time is really magical. So I love to work. And then my the first hour, the first two hours, I usually um, I'll put on a documentary that's like whatever I'm interested in learning more about that day. Or, and then two hours later, I put on the book on tape, and that's when I usually draw. Um, it always starts with drawing. You know, that the book on tape goes off, and the lo-fi beats or jazz come on, and then I'm in research mode, and I'm like looking up images and and reading text and finding documents about this whatever idea or concept um, I'm working on at the time. And right now it's the Um I've also I'm also looking for different ways to uh, build empathy and community. So right now I'm also studying um, kinetic empathy. And so kinetic empathy is this uh, it, it's a dance therapy concept but it's borrowed from indigenous practices and, and community building in regards to uh, celebration and just moving in beat and in time with someone builds a certain type of empathy that has traditionally just been used in indigenous cultures. But they're starting to incorporate that in dance therapy so maybe I'll make a workshop <laughs>
1: that's
2: centered around that. And so that's that's what was
1: on the table lately one more Lisa you got a question Rue R-U-E
2: yes R-U-E that was
1: amazing. I know <laughs> well I think the, what she just she touched on briefly was yeah. that Rue um you know was used traditionally by women to regulate their um
2: well traditionally it was, it was the protectioner
1: herb. protectioner herb. yeah
2: the, the Catholic Church would burn it um during ceremonies. It was used by thieves in the robotic plague because it also warns against fleas and ticks. Um, it's made into a tea in some areas of the world um, to regulate menstruation. menstruation. Um, it also suppresses the male sperm count. But if you abuse it, it will poison you and kill you.
0: <laughs>
1: in moderation, everyone. <laughs> I, so, I that is so. in moderation.
2: moderation. Yeah, yeah, but, but it will kill you. <laughs> and it's um, it's toxic to your skin in the sun. It has an oil that will cause cause your skin to blister. And then specifically talking about the common rue, that is also growing invasively in Texas right now. is really fascinating.
1: Julie, did you have a question? I do. Yeah. Um, so you work
2: with rue. I mean, if you smell the... You smell the I have fat. some, and it just slips. Oh, yeah. I've grown it. Thanks, Freddie. (laughs) Um, I grow it, and it just grows, and that's all it does, and that's all it's kind of called me to do with it right now. Just let me protect you, and that's
1: it. But it's been telling you it wants to be on the ground, but you're not ready. Yeah, it's (laughs) been
2: very clear about wanting to be on the ground because I have it in pots because there's nothing but concrete around, so it's like, no, we need to be on the ground. So find that place for
1: all of us to be at the ground. Yeah, it's nice nice way to end. Well, thank you so much, Cole. It's really been a pleasure, and thank you all so much for being a part of this year.